Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. You can live in a place and think you know it, but actually realize you, you really don't know it at all because you've maybe driven through an area or you've got the train through an area, but that doesn't mean the same as actually being in it. That was a clip from my guest today, Michael Shanks. I love that Scottish accent. And how did he get to know his home city of Glasgow? Well, he ran every single street. All of Glasgow's 6,110 streets, he ran them, which was an incredible quest and a lot of lessons coming from this experience. You'll hear the inspiration behind his quest, how it all started and why he did it, what surprised him about his home city of Glasgow, and some of the most interesting parts of his mission. The funny thing that happened when his run ended, how this experience changed his life, and why it's something we can all do. And this is also a reminder for me about the things we can accomplish in our spare time, even with a full-time job or a full-time career. Michael is a teacher and he did this in his spare time. So get ready to pull out some useful, practical lessons that you can take with you after this show. I'm also going to talk about my recent trip to America, why it was dominated by the three F's. Find out what those are. And I want to give a shout out to a listener in this community who's using a springboard to take himself from one style of travel to the next in what I believe is a really nice, smooth way. So I want to give him a shout out. You'll also hear why you can truly, truly have a travel experience in your own backyard and so much more. It's all happening right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I want to take a moment to welcome new listeners. And if you're back and you're a longtime listener, welcome back. You can always get in touch. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email address. And I have a voicemail box where you can easily leave me a message. No email required or anything like that. 
uh, just click on the link and leave a message. In fact, I got one recently from a listener in this community who has found, I think, a nice runway to two different travel lifestyles. And I want to share why I think this is such a great idea. So you're going to hear his message in one moment. Don't forget, we have a wonderful interview today with Michael Shanks, who ran every street in his hometown of Glasgow. And this was inspiring for me on so many levels. And I was really excited to track him down because I heard about him through an article. And I thought, I know this guy has some things to share with the Zero to Travel podcast listeners. This started, of course, during the pandemic when they were in lockdown, but it turned into a much bigger thing than I think he even anticipated. And, you know, from this interview, I I pulled out a common thread that I've noticed over doing hundreds of interviews and conversations with travelers. And I think this is a really important overarching lesson coming out of this interview. So if you stick around in the outro segment after the interview segment, I'll share a bit about that and why something he says during this conversation really made me realize you can truly have that travel buzz, that spine-tingling feeling of fun and adventure you get when you land in a new country, even if you're in your own backyard, which is liberating and exciting on a lot of levels. So you're going to hear this interview in just a moment. Let's get this voice message out from Max in Australia, who is a listener of this show, and I want to share with you what he said in his future travel plans. Good morning uh, from here in Perth, Western Australia. Uh, my name's Max. I'm uh, just out on my morning walk, so that I'm sorry if it's a little bit windy. Um, but in about a month and three days, I set, set sail. Uh, I've got tickets over to Europe where I'll spend about three months, uh, between three and six months sort of holidaying. Uh, then after that, I've been listening to your podcast, and I think that trying to move to a digital nomad life is the way for me. Um, experiencing different places for extended periods of time, um, new cultures, uh, and learning to fund that uh, in cheap locations is sort of my plan. Uh, just listen to your top 10 like cheapest destinations. I'm not sure if it was top 10. Uh, anyway, uh, Mexico City sounds amazing. South America was on my mind. Um, I just thought I'd reach out and sort of uh, let you know that it's super inspiring what you're talking about, um, and I can't wait to, to get involved. Thank you. Thank you, Max, for sharing what you have going on. So excited for you. And I think this is a wonderful way to transition to two different travel lifestyles, right? Certainly being on holiday, having that total freedom is much different than having the responsibility of work while you travel and slow traveling versus maybe traveling a little quicker, depending on how he does it. But I do think that... The way he's doing this, where he's starting off by going on a holiday first and then moving to this uh, more remote work, digital nomad lifestyle, is smart. It can give you time to think when you're traveling, right? You have that time to think, time to just experience the world without the responsibilities, and time to grow, which we all do when we're traveling. And it doesn't mean you stop that growth when you start traveling and working at the same time. But I think having a holiday first just gives you a little bit of a buffer and maybe can help you decide how you want to move into that next phase of travel, of the travel lifestyle. 
and maybe be a little bit more intentional about what you might want and where you might want to spend some time after you've had time to go around and do a lot of things. You might have a more clarity around where you want to slow down and spend more time. And there are a lot of other benefits as well, but I just like this idea of using that as a way to transition, like I said, a runway to go from one way of travel to the next. And I'm always looking for an excuse to go on holiday, right? I mean, if we need another one, there, there's another one, right? I'm going to use this as a transition. I'm going to go on holiday just to, just to slowly make my way to this next version of my travel lifestyle. So just some food for thought there. Mostly just wanted to say thanks for leaving the message, Max, and wanted to share this story with you. I love sharing stories from uh, listeners and letting you all get to hear from each other so we can all grow together. This is a community-powered show. These messages inspire me, and I love to share them. So check in if you haven't done so, jason at zerototravel.com. You can leave me a voicemail. Just say hi. Let me know what kind of guests you want me to bring on, if you have any recommendations. It's a two-way conversation. And please, if you haven't done so, sign up over at zerototravel.com. It's a free newsletter. You'll get an exclusive audio file. Right now, I'm giving away my top three ways to save money for travel. Would love to welcome you into the online newsletter community over there. Now, let's slip and slide into the interview segment. Don't forget to stick around for the various things I mentioned. We'll also share a little bit about my trip to the USA recently and leave you with a quote to wrap this up. Enjoy this interview with Michael, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Michael Shanks, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Sipping on some tea over there in Scotland? Is that what, that's what you guys do, tea, right? Yeah, no, it's coffee. It's definitely <laughs> coffee. It's been a long day, yeah. <laughs> You're a teacher. Yeah, I'm a high school teacher. So every day is a long day, to be fair. But it's really sunny here, which is unusual for Scotland, and it somehow drives the kids a little bit hyper. So uh, it's been quite a day. Well, you know, some of these students might listen to this. They're going to be like, Mr. Shanks said every day is a long day with us. Come on, man. Give us a break. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing they've never heard before. Put it that way. <laughs> How long have you been teaching? Uh, so teaching was a kind of new thing for me. I, I changed careers about three years ago now. So I turned 30 and changed career. I previously worked in, in Parliament at Westminster and, and in the Scottish Parliament. Uh, and then I worked for a, a charity working with young people involved in offending. So this was I kind of... A, a new avenue to go down. Yeah. What were you doing in Parliament? Were you a politician, or were you part of? No, the I, I was the guy behind the politician, making sure they, you know, they they were saying the right thing. <laughs> oh, a PR type of thing. Yeah, that sort of thing. Research, writing a bit of speeches, all that stuff. Speechwriter. Okay. And now we're getting into it. What kind of drew you to sp- speechwriting or that role in the first place? And then why did you leave? Uh. Well, I think I've always had a bit of an interest in politics. I studied that at university. Uh, and I think, particularly when you're in your early 20s, working in a place like that is quite exciting. Uh, and then you sort of realize it's not that exciting and you're, you're, not, you're not necessarily achieving as much as you think you're achieving, uh, but, you're, but you're doing loads of work. Uh, and that, at a certain point, that gets a bit frustrating. Uh, so I decided to, to move into the charity sector uh, and got a brilliant job working with a fantastic charity that um, supports young people that have kind of been left behind by a lot of other 
support services and professionals and things like that and and works really hard to uh, to turn their lives around really uh, or to help them to turn their own lives around so I, I, I worked as um, communications manager for them for four or five years so just coming out of more of the the personal want to sort of like make a, a difference in another way I suppose and then teaching obviously I, I just want to give props to all the teachers out there you you included of course because I mean teachers make such a positive impact on the world, generally speaking, right? I mean, I think most people can point back to at least a teacher or two that somehow changed their lives in a specific way. I always think about, for me, it's like Mrs. Gallagher in fifth grade when she came back from her trip to Ireland and she was talking all about it and showing pictures and I was just, my mind was blown. And I think right then and there, I kind of caught the travel bug. I didn't, even though I didn't get to go anywhere for many years after that, at least out of the country. So mad props to you just for bringing up the youth <laughs> it is it's a fantastic career and and for all the you know like any any job there are days and, and moments of days where you think you know what the hell am i doing this for but but nine times out of ten i remember i just absolutely love the job and i think i teach a subject which you might not know of because it's, it's a peculiarly scottish subject called modern studies which i genuinely think every single child in the world should should learn but it's a combination of um politics current affairs but also learning about some of the kind of systemic issues like poverty and inequality and why are some people in the world rich and some people are not rich and and crucially for just now learning about things like uh, how can you trust a media source um, you know what makes something reliable can you identify fake news and teaching them these skills so it's uh, I think it's the best subject in the world and and what's great about it is you never fully know what you're going to talk about every week. You can have a set of lessons planned and then all of a sudden you're talking about Ukraine and Russia and, and all sorts of other things. And I, I find that every single day I find fascinating. Wow. Okay. So well, what is what do you teach? How should we vet the media, so to speak? Well, I, I mean, the, the trick is we need to try and teach them the skills so they can do it themselves because you know, I'm incredibly careful and all modern studies teachers are to not be biased ourselves, uh, which is difficult sometimes actually, because you have got to um, make sure even things that you'd really disagree with politically, you're not passing that on to the kids. Um, but it's teaching them the skills of looking at, you know, is a, is a source up to date? Has it got any evidence or is it just someone's opinion? And that's particularly in the TikTok age. Uh, I think they look at stuff on TikTok and, and they just assume it's fact. Particularly, there's a lot of stuff coming out of Ukraine that's really, really good on TikTok. But there's a lot of rubbish that's just um, videos from a whole other wars that are that have captioned with Ukraine, and people just accept it as fact. So it's, it's trying to give them the skills to pick out you know, what's truth and what's what's just made up. That's tough to do nowadays, isn't it? Kind of with digital enhancing and some of the technology that exists. It's, it's not an easy thing. I mean, this is... This isn't just important for your students. This is really important, I think, for everybody. And it sounds like a, a lot of this is starting with critical thinking. Is that right? Just kind of teaching people to think critically and, and to... Absolutely, to ask questions, which is, you know, a great thing in my subject is it's all about ask questions, tell me what you're thinking, let's discuss this, let's debate this. But I think giving them that critical literacy skills to to sort of say, well, that doesn't quite add up because I know this from another source and you're saying something totally different. And um, just let, equipping them with the skills to go into the world and do it for themselves. So, It must be satisfying when you're teaching something 
that's near and dear to your heart or something you know is important and then you look over and you see you know a set of eyes kind of like get it or just like something clicks and you're like all right yeah and and i think i always think when they ask questions that you know they'll kind of put their hand up and they'll say sorry this isn't really related to what we're talking about but and then they ask a question and they think it's a kind of silly question, but actually it's quite often a really, really pertinent question that's really linked to what we are talking about. And I always find that really interesting. I think kids who are curious is just the most amazing thing. I, I, I love it that they have a curiosity about learning. That's a fantastic thing. Well, it sounds like a lot of your work leading up to where you are today was really more of the in-person type of thing. You weren't like in an office sitting in a computer, I guess, for speech writing or doing that. But it sounds like there was a lot of you know, interaction and social type stuff going on. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm guessing during the pandemic or during the lockdown, because you guys had a pretty severe lockdowns for COVID, right? And I know this was the sort of the genesis of, your, of what we're going to talk about today. So I'm wondering if like just kind of teaching online and things like that, sort of drove you to to this or I, I guess we should start give everybody just the the sentence or two overview of what you've done and then we can get into the specifics of kind of some of the why behind it okay a sentence of two you're really challenging me here i mean you know uh, what yeah you know, i won't limit you but yeah, yeah just just break it down for us i mean i think it's interesting because this week uh is two years since since boris johnson our esteemed prime minister went on television and told us all we couldn't leave the house uh, and that I think we were talking about this today in school. Actually, I, th- I think we forget just how big a moment that was to to be told in peacetime that you could not leave your house, uh, apart from these four essential reasons. And it led to a, an incredible kind of atmosphere of. You no, know, I, I remember going for a walk. I live in a in a tenement flat, which is a Glasgow kind of block of flats that don't have any gardens, and. Um, but we've got loads of parks in Glasgow, which is amazing. And I remember really early on in the lockdown going for a walk, sitting on a park bench, and someone came along and said, you're not allowed to sit on a park bench. That's against lockdown rules. And, I, and people really had this culture of we were really, really policing ourselves really strictly at the time around stuff like this. And I think we kind of forget that because the subsequent lockdowns were were disruptive, but they were nowhere near what that first four, five, six months was like. Um, but the one thing that started this off was you were allowed to leave your house once a day to exercise. Um, and that became my kind of um, kind of freedom, I suppose. And you know, I, I don't mean that in a kind of over-the-top way, but it was like you just came out of your house and uh, you could kind of go and do something that wasn't essential shopping or stuck working from home. Teaching from home was a real, real challenge for both us and the kids. Um because the thing you love as a teacher is that interaction and you just didn't get that online. Um, so that was really tough. So I'm really started to make use of that one exercise a day. And I suppose that's far more than two sentences, Jason. So sorry about that. But what that turned into then was trying to run every single street in Glasgow, uh, (laughs) which is a bit of a leap from exercising an hour a day to running every street in Glasgow, but that's how it started. Right. And that's really some might call a quest in a way. Over 6,000 streets. How many miles is that, by the way? Uh, so interestingly, if you were to to just measure the roads themselves, it's just over 1,000 kilometers, so uh, 1,138 kilometers. But when you start looking at what the streets are, you can't run 
1,138 kilometers because inevitably you have to run several of them multiple times. And whenever you get to a dead end street, you've got to run it twice. Um, so it ended up being double that. Wow. Were you pretty fit before you did this? Uh, I, I've always thought I'm not particularly unfit, but I'm not, I'm not a runner in any kind of, you know, when I was doing stuff on the media on this afterwards, people kept saying, uh, amateur athlete, Michael Shanks. And I was like, I wouldn't <laughs> even put the words amateur. I'm just like, <laughs> certainly not an athlete. Just don't even use the words athlete. Um, <laughs> and the amateur doesn't make it any more accurate. Like I'm, I, I really, really enjoy running. I find it a real escape from things. Uh, you know, you, you, I really like mind clearer and, but I'm, I'm not, I will never beat any records in anything, uh, <laughs> but I do really enjoy going for a run. So that, that's kind of the, that's why I wanted to do it. Did you wear headphones and listen to music and stuff like that? Or were you always just there without the, yeah, no, I never really listened to music and partly with this as well, I realized quite early on because you're running down streets that no one would normally run down, uh, I would normally get to the end of a street or something and then look at my phone to figure out where I had to go next and then turn around and people would be in their garden or whatever sort of looking as if to say, what's this guy up to? Why is he run down here? Or you'd hear people saying, you know, are you lost? Are you lost? You know, and it started up conversations and it ended up that became something I tried to really encourage when I was out was talking to people in all these different places. So I really wanted to be present as much as possible in the, in the run. So no, I didn't have any headphones on or anything. Yeah, and I should mention your site again, everyglasgowstreet.com. We'll link to that. You got the photos there and some of the story behind it. And definitely encourage everybody to check that out. Let's take a brief pause. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. 
so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there. And that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself. And that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. I have some questions around the travel aspects of this and, and your local hometown, or your local adopted hometown, I should say, because you didn't, you didn't grow up in Glasgow, correct? No, I grew up, we have a Scottish saying, doing the water is the, is the saying, but I grew up down the coast a little bit. Uh, where Glaswegians used to get the boat in the summer down to the seaside uh, out, out of the smoky city uh, in the Victorian era. That, that's where I grew up. So I moved to Glasgow when I was a student, so about 15 years ago. Okay. It's no small thing <laughs> to kind of commit to this. So I think it's like easy to kind of look back now and say, okay, well, look, yeah, you did this and you were on this mission. But along the way, did you ever think like, were you telling people about this? How did you sort of stay accountable with it? Was it just your own drive? Or did you ever think of just kind of, well, I mean, I've, I've run 3,000 streets. Like, I've seen enough of the city. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just wondering, I just want to get kind of an idea of like what drove you. Was it one of these things like once you started, you just couldn't stop and it became sort of... Yeah, I, I think it definitely did. I mean, originally, it, it wasn't organized at all. And the, there was no ambition because there wasn't even the idea of running every street in Glasgow to begin with. I just realized I was leaving my house and I was basically running the same route to get to a really nice park that's near me, running around the park, looking at the ducks, running all the way back. And uh, and that was it. And, and I think we all kind of are creatures of habits with things like that. We maybe add in a little street here or there, but generally we just run around the same place or we walk around the same place. And so I started um, running random streets in between just because I'd never been down those streets before. Uh, and then I came across Ricky Gates, who is an athlete uh, in the actual definition of this, who, who had basically done the same in San Francisco, but had properly recorded it all. And by that point, when I looked at all the streets I had run, I was already at about 20% just by luck. Um, and so I thought, well, I might as well just have a go at this. But in the early stages, I didn't really tell anybody, uh, apart from friends and family that that already kind of knew I would do something as mad as this. Uh, they weren't massively surprised. But I thought, I want to try and get to 50% before I tell anybody else, because it might just not be possible. This It might just be far too difficult a thing. And there's no point starting it and then, you know, saying I haven't got past 50%. Then I got to halfway and I thought, well, I might as well now make this a bit more public and have a bit of fun sharing pictures and things like that. So, How long did it take? Uh, it, it had two years, basically. Uh, okay. Slightly less than that. Um, I finished in January of this year, so so maybe about 18 months. How did you find time to do it on the side? I mean, it sounds like this is probably your main side job so to speak i'm using air quotes but did you like run to the far side of the city or would you drive somewhere and then run a bunch of streets how did you yeah so that, that was the there was a point at which i realized i can't keep running from my house because it was getting to the stage so i live in the west end of the city quite a lot of streets around about this area it's quite a crowd a densely populated area so that was easy 
then I started doing the kind of extreme west of the city and I was realizing I was running like eight kilometers to get to the start of the run that I had to do that day and then running eight kilometers back. And I was like, this is just not sustainable. I'm running like 30 kilometers to do five streets. So I did, I had to start I'm trying to use public transport as much as possible. So I would, Glasgow's got a fairly good rail network, although not that good. Um, or that well, we've got an underground as well. And I was trying to get the transport to somewhere and then run home. But even that started to become just impossible. So yeah, I had to start driving to places, parking up and doing a run. And then when lockdown ended and I went back to work, the challenge was trying to fit it in around work, particularly in Scotland, it gets dark at um, half past three, four o'clock in the winter. Uh, I don't finish work until 20 to four. So I was going out into areas I'd never been in before and running around in the dark. Uh, and that wasn't particularly enjoyable. So the logistics ended up being be quite a big deal, actually. I mean, you must have used the line and at some point your students, sorry, guys, got to run. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm really yeah, sorry. Well, it, it got, but, so just after halfway, uh, one of the television channels here found out about it and came and filmed me uh, to say that I was halfway through this challenge. So, of course, by that point, there was no going back. I had to finish it then. And all my students who I spend... Uh, most of the week saying please watch the news please watch the news and they all say oh we don't have time for the news they all came in and said we saw you on the news last night <laughs> <laughs> so at that point there was no going back from it they all knew what i was up to so i'm sure you inspired some of them as you inspired me which is why i reached out in the first place i, I wanted to hear what surprised you about glasgow yeah i so glasgow's a fascinating city and uh a city with a, a complex history. It's got a history of, you know, it was named the second city of the British Empire for a long time. At one point, nearly all the ships that sailed were built in Glasgow. It's got a huge industrial history, um, but then a, an equally huge industrial decline and um, a city that has struggled for a very long time with poverty and with uh, health inequalities. It has a reputation as a result of that, particularly communities in Glasgow that have extremely undeserved reputations that have persisted for a really, really long time. Glasgow was the murder capital of Europe for a long time uh, and hasn't been for, for more than a decade, but still holds that image. And I think the most interesting thing for me was I knew that wasn't the city that I lived in, but I'd never really explored most of the city. Uh, you can live in a place and think you know it, but I actually realize you you really don't know it at all because um, you've maybe driven through an area or you've got the train through an area, but that doesn't mean the same as actually being in it. Uh, so the most interesting thing for me was just exploring these communities, places in the east end of Glasgow in particular, like Easter House that was built um, after the war when the, the slum housing was, was cleared after the war and all these people were moved out to the periphery of the city to this new built town. But it was a new built town that had nothing, really. It had no jobs. It had very few transport links and quickly became synonymous with, with crime and with drugs. And, and these are problems that still persist. But actually, it's also a place that's been reborn and it, it has been rebuilt and, and a real sense of community as well. And it was some of those places that I had some of the nicest conversations with people. It was the only place someone ever offered me a drink, which was nice. Uh, and you're you're running down these streets that people would really quickly think of as, oh, this is quite a rough area. Let's get out of here quickly. But actually had some really, really warm people living in it who were curious about what I was up to and, and stood and chatted in a way that 
actually some of the more affluent parts of the city just didn't. Um, they would just let you walk right past. Um, so that that for me, that was the most interesting part because I think as well as the running adventure, I'm also really into social history and and politics, obviously. But you know how these people live, and that side of it's been really interesting as well. Yeah, I'm sure with modern studies, I mean, you were on the ground, kind of boots on the ground with that mindset, having these conversations, being a part of these neighborhoods, and maybe seeing how things may be represented in culture or on media or society of certain parts of a city, and then actually being there and experiencing it is... I mean, there's a a thing we teach in uh, modern studies, which is if you... There's parts of the city, and there's a train line that goes all the way from the city center... Uh, through some of our most deprived areas, then through some of our most affluent areas. And on that train journey, your life expectancy can almost half from one part of the city to another. Uh, And we teach that. And actually running through those communities and and meeting some of those people, you can can appreciate it a little bit more and the challenges that they face. But also, I think people kept asking me in television interviews afterwards, what's the worst street you ran through? You know, there must be a street that you ran really fast to get out of. And I've kind of resisted ever. I mean, there were streets that I hated, but not not for any particular reason. Uh, I've kind of resisted answering that because I do think Glasgow has this unfair reputation. And I think it's really important that people try and explain the other side of Glasgow as well, the, the, the kind of future of the city as well, I suppose. What did you learn about the residents? Uh, I mean, lots of different things. I, I had so I'm I'm trying to write a book, which has taken me a long time. It'll take me longer than the run, probably. But part of it is um, the thread of the book is me running through places, but the stories are actually people I met along the way, and then a bit of actual kind of researched history of that street or or that local area. And I met some really really interesting people who you know had lived in the same street through multiple different. You know, like different their house has been built then demolished then built again then demolished again and they've lived in all these different versions of social housing and uh or people just really proud to to show me bits of their park uh and, and one woman i met in a cemetery who i asked her for directions and then she was like are you the guy that's running all the streets and uh, <laughs> and it just started up this this great conversation um i can't count the number of times i got to the end of a street and obviously didn't really know where I was going next. And people would just say, that's the boy running all the streets. And as a 34-year-old, I'm quite happy to still be called boy. So uh, <laughs> it was really nice. I mean, Glasgow does have this stereotype as well of being a, a very friendly city, particularly compared to Edinburgh, which is the city on the other side that's, you know, they're meant to not be friendly and we are meant to be friendly. I don't know how true that is. But it is true in a sense that I had some fantastic conversations with people just just randomly striking up asking questions and whatever does the city and the community feel bigger to you or smaller now do you know it's really interesting because glasgow is the only city in europe that has a motorway right through the middle of it you know built in the 60s that just divides the city this huge six seven eight lane motorway and people when they're navigating around the city often navigate by the motorway so you jump on the motorway and you you get off at junction 12 or whatever and i think that creates real divisions in communities within the city it divides up people's natural kind of community um and what was quite nice about running was i realized you don't need to go in the motorway that bit connects to there or there's a lovely lane that links that whole housing development to this housing development that i didn't know was there before 
So I think the thing, I don't know whether it's bigger or smaller, but I think I definitely learned it's still a city that has really distinct communities that you could easily live in, uh, like Gatharmluk in the north and not really think of yourself as part of the city. You, you just live in this area or, um, you know, lo- loads of little districts that are almost little cities in themselves. So it's hard to say bigger or smaller. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, I think the other thing is every so often I would look at the whole map because I kind of just focused on the bits I wanted to do next. And then I would zoom out and I'd be like, holy hell, I've actually like ran all of that. <laughs> like it, when you see it on a map, it is actually massive. But at the time, I didn't really realize that. I was just running these little chunks at a time. Uh, mm. Well, what surprised you about yourself? or what did, what did you learn about yourself? Well, I think quite a few things. I think that on a practical level, I think I've actually realized this since rather than during it. Having a challenge like that is actually really, really good to, to keep you focused on something that you enjoy. I think it's incredibly easy for us, even things we actually enjoy, to just push them out in favor of work or, or other things. Um and I think even during lockdown, when people initially had all this time to, you know, everyone was making bread or catching up with old friends on Zoom and all that, that quickly frittered away quite quickly. And and people became, you know, addicted to their work again and their time was taken up by other things. I think what I quite liked about this was I had to make time basically every single day to do this uh, and actually something I really, really enjoyed. So but I've, I've really learned that lesson more since then because since then I've been really bad at going out and, and running <laughs> since I finished I've just I've just not really been doing it so I need something else next is there going to be something else next are you thinking about something uh, I don't know I'm doing these random themed runs at the moment so we've got these old police boxes all over the city uh, that are like the TARDIS and Doctor Who uh, so the other day I just decided I would just run around all of these Tardises all over the city. So that, I'm just picking these random themes or running around every football stadium in the city or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? 
Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. I see on your website that you mentioned there are some people reaching out that have also started exploring their local area too. Can you tell me about that and how, how that feels for you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that was the nicest thing to come from all the media attention it got i mean i was i was really really surprised there were that many people interested in the story at all mm. uh there yeah because you weren't doing this for a pr thing or anything I mean, no, i've got absolutely thing. nothing to you know you always <laughs> see people who trend on twitter and underneath it they've got their soundcloud i've got absolutely nothing to offer <laughs> um, but uh, I, th- I think it probably got attention because it was at that time where there was another variant of covid and you know, it was a story that didn't involve death and destruction, and and that was probably quite a good thing. But the, the, it was really, really nice to see uh, people emailing just to say, I, I read your piece or I saw the video, me and my husband have started walking the dog in different streets every day, or we've got a map and we've started colouring in all the various parts of our town that we've explored. Uh, my own mum has started walking every single street in her town, uh, really? which is nice. She bought a wow. massive map and has started coloring it in. So, but it's it's really nice to see, particularly the small things, because I think running every single street in Glasgow was was obviously a massive undertaking uh, that a lot of people just don't have the time to do and things like that. So I understand that. But people saying like, I live in this little town that's got you know five hundred streets, but you've given me some some encouragement to just go and see bits of it that we've never been on. That that felt amazing, actually. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you go out to do this thing and it's this personal quest, but then it, it inspires people and then you start hearing the stories. I mean, nothing nothing beats that, right? I mean, your own mom is out there exploring for that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I think as well she's trying to beat my my time to do it. So it's it's like <laughs> but uh no, it's great. And and I think uh, I've not spoken to Ricky Gates directly, but I think uh, he was interviewed for one of the, the pieces uh, on me. Uh, they, the BBC phoned him up and, and interviewed him. And he said, you know, it, it felt amazing to him that there were literally thousands of people now doing this all over the world. Because the, the City Strides website, which I, I can't recommend highly enough, that was the thing that kind of gave me the accountability. It tracked all my runs. If you look on it, virtually every city in the world has got people running it um, everywhere uh, that is mapped in the world. And that's remarkable, really, that, that people have got into that. I see this. Okay. Yeah, I had not heard about this. So this was the main resource for you, City Strides, and that's how you were able to map all this and figure it out? Yeah, so it does all the hard work for you. So you sign up to it through Strava or Garmin or whatever. Uh, you do your run, and then it just automatically syncs to the map uh, and tells you how many streets you've got left. So it only works on cities that have got really clear boundaries so in in scotland that's not very many because our, our cities are quite vague in terms of what counts as the city and what doesn't but glasgow is a is a local authority in its own right so it's got quite a clear map what did you think about all the media stuff afterwards the 
Well, it, the actual last day was was really really strange because I'd left George Square, which is the the very centre of Glasgow where the city council building is and everything. I'd left that to last, so I could finish there. Um, and I told a journalist from STV who had been fantastic and had followed me from the halfway point onwards. I told her about it, and then somehow the BBC found out, so they came along. And then I had a friend. Um, Waiting in George Square, my whole family had COVID, uh, so none of them could show up, which was was pretty gutting. Uh, our whole Christmas had been disrupted by COVID and things, uh, so none of them could be there. But um, my friend came along with our wee boy, and um, I was texting her saying, "I'm nearly, I'm nearly around the corner." And I turned the corner, and there was just this bank of cameras all clicking away. Uh, I don't know how many television cameras. I was like, I wasn't expecting anybody to be there at all uh, and then of course they, that wasn't good enough for them all so they then had to get me to fake run the last bit again so it looked more professional <laughs> the whole thing was just ridiculous um but it was it was interesting as well particularly for someone who's like i spent a while like giving the line to a politician to say on camera right and now it was me giving the line and i was kind of like what was the line yeah, I mean, well, they all ask the same questions, you know, why, yeah. uh, which is a reasonable question that I'll be honest, I never really came up with a particularly good answer for. Um, <laughs> and then they, all, they, all they really ever wanted to know was what was the best street and what was the worst street? And, mm. and those were two questions that I don't really have an answer for. No, um, I'm not going to ask those questions, so you don't need to worry here. <laughs> you know what I love is that you can take this video of you fake running the end and show it to your modern uh, study students and be like, hey, guys, yeah. here's a perfect example of why you should be skeptical. This isn't my real finish <laughs> here. <laughs> well, actually, I'll let you in on a secret even worse than that. Um, when I was at the halfway point, the, the news channel that came to film me, they wanted to use a drone and they weren't allowed to use a drone in the city centre because it was too close to the airport and, and one of the hospitals was closed because of COVID. The airspace was closed around it. And so they, they we met outside the city and they made me run streets that didn't even count uh, and then presented it as, this is Glasgow. <laughs> of course, I had all these people emailing saying, that's not Glasgow, that's my street. It's nowhere near Glasgow. <laughs> so. You're like, I'm just an authentic guy here. I'm a teacher. I'm doing this thing. Why is the media throwing me under the bus, man? Come on. <laughs> but it, it got on to, so I've got a couple of kids at school who are who deliver the papers in the morning and they came running in saying you were on the front page of three different newspapers. And I thought that's that's never something you want to hear in, in <laughs> politics that you're on the front page because it's usually a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, but here I am with face right in the middle of a newspaper, so. That was an, a really strange experience. How do you think right now, I mean, I know time will tell, but how do you think this changed your life, this experience? I, I, I really don't know. I think it was, I, I think it's easy to think it was this massive big thing, but it was just really good fun. I think I can't get that far away from it. I did just enjoy doing it. It wasn't, it wasn't set out to be any big like life-changing moment. Um, I think it did pique my interest about, like I've always had an interest in the city that I live in and, and its development and its inequality and all of that kind of stuff. And But I think I've definitely got more of an interest in that now, which is why the books come about. Um, and I mean, I, I ran with, um, you won't be able to see this because it's a podcast, but there's a book called Rambles Around Glasgow by Hugh MacDonald, uh, which was written in 1856. And he basically in 1856 walked around the whole of the city, a bit like I did. Uh, the city was tiny 
in in eight, well not tiny but it was fairly small in 1856 um and i kind of wanted to do like a newer version of of hugh mcdonald's book and that's kind of my my ambition just now um but apart from that i'm not sure i think i definitely it, it was an adventure and an exploration as much as a running challenge so there were there were moments where i wasn't I wasn't really focused on on getting a personal best in a 5k or something like that. It was just I was just really enjoying exploring an area that I'd never been in before, wandering around a park or, you know, stuff like that. That that was the best bit really. Yeah. I love that. And I I guess I would ask for some advice here as we finish this out. What advice would you have for somebody that's considering taking on their own version of a quest. And, and again, like I love what you said that people were reaching out and just talking about maybe exploring their local area a bit more, things like that. It doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing that takes two years and, you know, thousands of kilometers to do. <laughs> it can be a version of, of that for yourself with what you have time for and everything. I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. What, what kind of advice would you give for somebody? Yeah, listening? I think definitely take that, that kind of explorer uh, viewpoint rather than the, the the challenge point of it so go out to explore and see what you find I think definitely having some structure to it is maybe it's just me but I, I found that one of the most fun things was I'd go out for a run and then I'd come in and I'd spend a, a bit of time looking at the map and seeing what I'd done and and uh, Scotland has this amazing I'm sure other countries do as well but the, the National Library of Scotland has scanned in centuries worth of maps and digitized them and you can go on and type in a street now and it will give you maps going back 150 years and you can see what was there in the 1880s or the 1930s or whatever. For me, that was fascinating because you could see the area you visited, what it's been like throughout time. But I think definitely the people who've got in touch who seem to enjoy it the most are have like physically got a map and been colouring it in. And I think there's a real sense of achievement in that, in, in physically having a map that you've you've explored. Um I think that's definitely the most fun bit and, and not get get hooked up on finishing it or trying to do it in a certain time frame or anything like that. I think I, I definitely got into taking pictures as I was going around uh, and they, those turned into kind of themes of pictures. That kind of thing just made it far more interesting for me rather than just getting out of the car, running, getting back in the car. It was it was a, an adventure. Yeah, love that. And I I'll just list off some of the themes on your website here. Every Glasgow street, which people can go to and I'll link to. You got subway, uh, street art, stadiums, post boxes, faith, urban goals. Uh, nigh fun loud? Is that, what is, <laughs> is that one? This is your Scots. Nay fun. Nay fun. No fun. Glasgow has this thing. I, I'm sure other places do as well, actually. But in loads and loads of places, there's big signs up that say no ball games, which to me, uh, as a teacher, is is kind of like this this attitude that children should just not be seen. Like you just children shouldn't be in their community. I, I hate them, and every time I saw them, I just I took a picture of them because they just really frustrated me. Particularly, they would they would be up in the middle of parks and things, and you're like, well, where are you meant to do these things if not in the middle of a park? So, uh, yeah, that was a personal annoyance. Yeah, doing it for the kids, man. I see one picture, no ball games, with like just a thousand multicolored balls piled up against the wall i don't know where that was but right on to ever do that well i love it man i'm really inspired by what you've done and really grateful that you took the time to come and share it with us and yeah we'll link to the website did i miss anything important here or 
Anything you want to highlight before we let you go about your day and may probably have go go have dinner or something, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I think I think that's been fantastic. I would recommend people uh, follow some of Ricky Gates' stuff as well. The, the guy is amazing. He ran across America, um, but his video. Uh, I can't remember who it is he runs for. He's sponsored by one of the the brands, but his video of running San Francisco is is amazing. Every so often when I was uh, kind of a bit fed up and, and couldn't be bothered going out in the rain, I, the video was a bit of an inspiration to keep going. So it, it's really, really well done, actually. Um, but apart from that, I think you've covered everything. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for your time. And hopefully we can stay in touch. Let me know when the book comes out and we can do this again. Will do. Thanks very much. Take care. There you have it. Thank you so much to Michael Shanks for taking his time after work before he ate dinner to come on and share some of his wisdom from this experience running all of Glasgow streets and sharing this incredible resource. City Strides seems like the place to go if you want to do something like this for yourself. Uh, after this interview, while I was recording this, I was looking up Oslo where I live and wondering, hmm, how many streets are there? In fact, in Oslo, it looks like there are 2,683 streets. That would be 1,090 miles. Do I have that in me? I don't know. Pretty intriguing, though. I I love this concept. And on whatever scale we choose to take on a quest, I do find that just through these conversations I've had over many years with people who have done things like this, uh, seemingly, you know, epic things when you just look at the end result, it's like, wow. Michael ran every street in Glasgow, but what he did is he he just did it methodically, right? He did it with his full-time teaching job. He broke it down. He found a resource that can help him. He got inspiration from Ricky Gates, who had done this before in another city, and then he went out and did it. And I find that to be one of the big lessons that I've pulled out over hundreds of conversations really thousands over the years with different travelers and uh, entrepreneurs and all different types of people from all walks of life. And, and this is the big overarching theme I wanted to pull out from this interview. This reminder that we don't need to be experts or quote unquote professionals to take on a grand adventure. Time and again, I've heard stories from people who do spectacular things and they don't have a clue what they're doing. People that have rode their bikes around the world. But when they started out, they didn't know anything about bike touring. They had never ridden a bike for more than, you know, a few miles or whatever. You hear this kind of stuff all the time on the show. And here's another example, right? Running every street in your city seems so overwhelming. Well, that that guy must be some kind of marathoner or some professional runner. No, he's a teacher. He just decided to do it, put his shoes on, went out there and uh, and made it happen and committed and got some accountability and did it. So uh, I just love this as a reminder coming out of this interview that we can all embrace and remind ourselves that we don't need to be experts at anything to go do the things we want to do. Yes, information helps. Yes, you want to be smart and you don't want to put yourself in a dangerous situation, but overall, I think that's a healthy philosophy to have. I don't think that that means, I think you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying throw yourself into something and don't be safe. I'm just saying everything starts somewhere and we don't have to be in a certain place in our lives to start something new, some grand adventure or some big idea, whatever that means to you. 
And another reminder, you heard Michael say at the end that this was just fun. He had fun exploring an area he'd never really been before. Isn't that the heart of what travel is all about in many ways, exploring an area we've never really been and that feeling we get when we're doing that and and that fun that we have around that. And that's why I said at the top, this was a, a great reminder of why you can get that travel buzz in your own backyard because I think all of us have places we haven't been in our own backyard. And if we go to those places with that travel mindset and just have fun exploring a place we've never been before, it doesn't have to be halfway across the world, we can get that same travel buzz. So if I'm going to pull a challenge out of this show, maybe it's just to go to a place you haven't been before. It's not going to be to run every city in your town. Although if you have a small town, maybe you can do that today and that might be cool. And you might even end up in a small town on a street that you've never been on before. But we can all find some place near us that we haven't been before and we can go and explore it. That'd be a fun thing to do as a community. If you go and do that, let me know where you went, what you did, what you found out about your town or yourself. Uh, leave me a message, drop me a line. Let me know if that's something you, uh, you went out and did. I'd love to hear from you. So those were just two things I wanted to pull out. And um, the quote I'm going to leave you with in a moment kind of ties in uh, with that idea of not having to be an expert to get out and do something. Uh, really quickly, before I leave you with a quote, I wanted to just share a little bit about my trip with America. There's going to be more about this coming up. I'm dragging my wife, Anna Dorta, back on the podcast. Uh, she'll hear a future episode from her where she's going to share some of her favorite parts about traveling in the States. I think that'll be fun because she brings that perspective of being from Norway, being Norwegian, and going to the States as a foreigner. And I said, well, let's do something positive here. We know there's uh, uh, positives and negatives around every place, but I want to hear from that foreign perspective what you like about traveling in the States, which is going to be different than in some ways than the things that I enjoy because I'm just going back to my home country as an expat abroad. It's very nice to get back home and reconnect with my culture. Also some things that reminded me why I also like living in Norway where I live, but we'll save that for another show. But anyway, I wanted to share the three F's, the three big F's that dominated my trip these are words that start with F. Sorry, I like alliteration. First, freedom. Freedom. It was so nice to be back out on the road for over a month and to do it with my family. And how I got that freedom was stripping down my life. I mean, I did a lot of batching with my work. I also made some tough decisions, decided to leave my own company, not zero to travel. This podcast is still here. Uh, but I was running a community for digital nomads for a long time and some training programs and things like that and decided to leave uh, that behind and to do something else. I don't know what yet, but um, we're going to keep this podcast going. No worries there. Uh, all the stuff is zero to travel, but I want to build something new here at zero to travel and um, build something new in my life. And I don't know what that is yet. I'm a bit at a bit of a crossroads. And you know, anytime I find myself at a crossroads, Travel can swoop in and uh, and help me out. I don't know if it's saving me, but at least giving me mental space, time to think. And anyway, so stripping down, minimizing my life, which has been a process that's been going on for some years now, has really uh, given me 
the space. And that, all that culminated in this time that I had in the States where I didn't really have a lot of responsibilities for the first time and I batched the work that I do have. So I had that freedom. And uh, my wife took a leave of absence from work and we decided to just carve out this time and have time to be present with us as a family. And that's the second F, family. Family. This was all about spending time with family. Got to spend time with all of them and quality time. And it was such a wonderful thing to do and do it unencumbered by a lot of the responsibilities that I normally carry with me over to the States. And just uh, always lovely to see family and reconnect there, get my kids to know their grandparents over in America a bit more and keep building that relationship, which uh, builds over time. So that was wonderful. And the final F, food. Of course, food, right? Now, the American food lifestyle really beat me down. (laughs) Or I should say beefed me up. But uh, it, it is big portions, to say the least. Uh, There was not so many healthy dishes, (laughs) but we had a blast consuming them and, of course, got all the favorite things that I miss when I'm gone, like Clausen's pickles and goldfish crackers and Mexican food, which you can get in Norway, but I haven't really found that solid Mexican restaurant. not very common here. So, you know, when you travel, certain foods you love that you miss from home, come back, stuff your face. A lot of food. A lot of food. (laughs) But we had a blast eating it. And uh, a lot more coming out of that trip. I'm still processing it. And I'm sure you'll hear some tidbits uh, in the coming weeks as I continue to publish these podcasts for you. Got exciting shows coming out through the summer and this fall. And just really uh, excited about the future here. So I encourage you to subscribe if you're new. And we will continue to build this thing together as a community-powered show going on nine years. It's crazy. Now, before I let you go, let me wrap this up with a quote. I had to search for quotes on running because I thought that might tie in nicely. And I found one. Kara Gucher, she's an Olympic long-distance runner and bronze medalist of the Boston Marathon. She said... It doesn't matter how fast or how far you're going. If you're putting on your shoes and going out for a run, you are a runner. You are in that club. And I mentioned it before. I think this ties in nicely with that overarching theme of you don't have to be an expert or a quote professional to get out there and do something. Uh, If you have dreamed about traveling the world, and you don't consider yourself a traveler, well, if you put on your shoes and you buy a plane ticket and you pack a bag and you go, you're a traveler. (laughs) There you go. You are a traveler. Um, And we can apply that to anything in life. So get out there and do the thing your soul's been asking you to do for a long time, and you are that thing. I'm going to leave you with that quote, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, night, smile, and thanks for your time. I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.